Again, those of you who, I think most of you here know who I am, but maybe somebody doesn't. Uh, I live in Tallinn, Estonia, Eastern Europe. Uh, we've been missionaries there now for 26 years. I uh, graduated Bible school in 1992, and I thought I was taking a six-month missions trip to Estonia to go and, and just see what I could do there. I'd never been to Europe. I'd never even really heard of Estonia when the Lord put that on my heart to, to go there. But uh, when I found it on the map and I just realized that's where I was going to go, uh, I just decided, okay, I'm going to sell everything I had, which was a car and uh, a couple pieces of furniture, and that was about all I had. So sold all that to be able to buy a ticket and have some money to live over there for six months. Just let, graduated Bible school and went. Uh, after I'd been there for six months, I realized that this is maybe a place I wanted to stay for a while. So uh, came back to America and got married to my wife, who has now been with me for 25 of those 26 years. And uh, we are, um, you know, just having a great time. I kind of feel like Gilligan's Island, I use this sometimes as, you know, you go on a three-hour tour and you end up spending the rest of your life. That's kind of how it was with me. I just thought I was going to do a missions trip, going to come back and help my dad with his insurance business in Colorado. And I thought that was going to be my life. But God had other plans, and I am so thankful that he did. Amen. And so, uh, you know, taking that step of faith wasn't always the easiest thing, as you could probably imagine, especially back in 1992. Uh, those of you who know a little bit about the history of that part of the world, they got their freedom from Russia in 1991. And so when I headed over in 1992, it was still very uh, raw as far as a nation trying to find itself. And so we have got to see so much change over the years. There's been so much progress now, today, uh, we have, you know, the skyscraper things. I don't know if you call them skyscrapers. They're 26 floors. But anyway, they're, they look like skyscrapers next to everything else in Estonia. And it's, uh, you know, we have a part of the city now that's very modern, right next to a part of the city that was built in the 1300s. And so, so it's, it's uh, old and new. It's a really cool place to visit. If you ever come through, uh, just give us a call. We'd be happy to meet you for coffee or something. And, but, you know, Estonia is not one of the places that you kind of go through. I was telling somebody today, if you're going to go to Estonia, you kind of have to go there on purpose. Nobody just passes by. And so, uh, you know, we just love it there. It's, it's a, a place that I believe God has, has a, a plan for, that we are there for a purpose. And there's going to be a move of God. And I'm praying and believing that we're going to be able to be part of that move. And you just keep believing with us. And we're going to see God do some great things together. And we're going to keep coming back and giving you the reports about how God is doing. But it has been a joy to be able to serve God there for these 26 years. And just let this be my life. And so thank you for helping us to be able to do that. And helping us to be able to obey God in what, what we're doing there. But I just wanted to start with this verse here in Acts 20 tonight. Uh, oh, let me just mention one thing because I'll forget at the end. On that back table, if you didn't get a magnet this morning, if you weren't here, we just have some refrigerator magnets of, of the picture of Brenda and I on it, and you're free to take those that are on the back table there just to help you, uh, you know, remember us and to pray for us as the year goes along. And just we believe that prayer is powerful. I believe in the prayer and the power of prayer. And so just thank you again for, for all that you do for us. But uh, here in Acts chapter 20, um, you know, the Lord gave me this scripture at the very beginning before I even left for Estonia the first time. And this has kind of been the, something that has fueled me all along. And let me just read here, starting with verse 22. 
This is Paul speaking. He says, now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. And so Paul, he, he was going to Jerusalem, and it, the next verse says that, you know, I only know that in every city the Spirit warns me that prisons and hardships are facing me. And so I, when I heard this, I thought, you know, I'm going to Estonia, and I don't know what's going to happen to me there. You know, sometimes you've got to take that step of faith. You just know, okay, this is what God wants me to do, and I'm going to do it, even though I don't know what's going to happen. Now, I thank God that he didn't tell me I was going to be in prison. But, you know, Paul, he, he knew that no matter where I go, no matter what I do, God is going to be with me. But then this is what I love about this here in verse 24. This is, you could hear Paul's heart. You could see how God could use him no matter where he goes. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. You know, and we're preaching the gospel of God's grace. That should truly be the focus of every believer. That, this, this verse right here should not just be the verse that the pastors stand on and that the missionaries stand on. I think this should be the heart of every believer. That we would say, you know, no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. But th there's a lot of steps you have to take in your life before you're able to make that statement. You can't just stay, say tonight, okay, well, that's it for me to live is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. If I just, all I want to do is tell somebody about Jesus. That's all I want to do. There's got to be some steps you take to be able to get to that place in your life. You realize that, right? It doesn't just happen automatically. You've got to grow in some things. You've got to go through some things to be able to be that confident to say, no, it's not about me. It's all about him. Now, we can make the, the, the initial steps. We can get onto that road. But there's a lot of times that we need to knock off, you know, some of the rough edges, as my dad used to tell me. I had a lot of rough edges. You got to knock off those rough edges to become the man or the woman that God wants you to be. And so we are, that should be our heart. Our heart should be not that we're perfect, but our heart should be, Lord, that I want to tell somebody about how good you are. I want, I want, I want people to know that, that there's, there's a better way to live and that I've found the answer and that they can find it too. And so in Paul's ministry, as you read and as you follow him, we all would agree that he was a man of great power. Amen? God used him mightily in every situation he was in, which is pretty incredible. He was in some very strange situations. He was in some very uh, dangerous situations. He was going places that had never even heard of Jesus. You know, at least most of us, when we go places, people have at least heard of Jesus, and we could remind them of maybe something they have heard. Paul was going to places that never, never even heard that this guy had lived. And so I, I love his, his heart, and I love his passion to go out and to tell people about his Savior and his God. And this, this, is, this is something I believe God is looking for today more and more in the world that we live in because there's so many other voices, there's so much other pressure trying to pull us away from doing exactly what it is that God wanted us to do. And we see Paul, he had a real advantage, I believe, in his life. He, everywhere he went, he stood out. Everywhere he went, he was effective. You know, I don't think anybody can stand up year after year and week after week and, and, and preach the word of God without having a relationship with the Lord. 
You know, nobody can be bold about the word of God without having a relationship on a, on a regular basis with God. And thank God for people like Pastor Mike. I mean, he's been one that I've looked to and I've had to lean on as, as a rock. I'm so glad he never changes. He hasn't, you know, he's not changing his message to try to reach uh, whatever. He's solid. Amen. I believe that's why you come here. We, we, we understand that there's something that's, that's just crucial that we need from men like that. But, but I, I'm, look, I'm, I believe God is looking for uh, us, you know, just the normal people in the church to also be those rocks that people could look to, that our, our, our confession never changes. Our, our beliefs don't change with the wind. You know, if it's going good, then we're really strong. If it's not going good, then you know, God moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. I've never found that verse in the Bible, still looking. Uh, but it's, I, I mean, growing up, I thought that was a verse. How many thought that was in the Bible, right? God works in mysterious ways. The Bible never told us that. And so we, we can know what it is that God wants to do. I believe we can understand the commission that is on the church to fulfill. And that is by getting into the word and seeing what it is that Jesus has called us to. He said to go into the world and preach this gospel. And Paul determined, he said, no matter where I go, there's just one thing I want to do in my life is I want to tell somebody about my Jesus I want to tell somebody about the grace, this good news of the gospel. And, you know, like, like Pastor was teaching this morning, these guys went out teaching the kingdom of God. There's power in teaching the kingdom of God. There's authority when you teach somebody about who they are in Christ and who they are in the kingdom. And as we begin to apply these truths to our lives, I believe we begin to stand out in the world, and I believe we begin to stand out in the kingdom of God. Because not everybody in the kingdom of God is a standout. I think we've understood that. You could look around the church. Not everybody is this, this great example that I think that we should be and that we should be pushing ourselves to become. But there are those that are. And those are the ones that you and I look to. And I hope and I pray that you would be one of those people that others would be able to look to. That that would be your heart is, is that God, can you use me? And, and I, you know, I told you about this, this verse here in Acts chapter 20. When I read that about Paul going out and just doing anything for God. And I'll go to Jerusalem and I don't know what's going to happen, but I just know this is where I'm supposed to go. That's how I felt when I took off for Estonia. I wanted to be used by God. And I didn't know if God could use me or not. i would only preached two times in my whole life, and both of those times were in Bible school because I had to get up in front of the class and teach. I didn't have any gift, so to speak, as far as a great teacher. I didn't have any opportunities to preach to other, other people. I just went to Bible school and graduated, and I went, and my heart was this. God, if you could use Paul, could you use me too? If you could use somebody like that, can you use somebody like me too? And I put God to the test. I took a step. And when I got there, I found out that I knew more about the word of God than most of the pastors that I met. And being just, just a fresh out of Bible school, I thought I didn't know a whole lot. I'm, I was thankful for what I had learned. 
Thankful for what I learned from Brother Hagin and some of these other great teachers that were teaching solid faith. I was so thankful because it was changing my life. But I got there and I thought, you know, I might be able to help somebody to do what they were doing. But everybody started to look to me as, well, you know more than we do. Can you teach us? It was crazy to me that I thought, okay, well, God, if you could use somebody like Paul, I believe you could use somebody like me. And I remember the first time I got up to preach, I had been there for two weeks. The pastor said, okay, I'm, I'm going to be gone uh, next Sunday. Can you please come and teach our church? And I did a big swallow, and I acted like I knew what I was doing. I said, yes, sir, I'll be there, right? I get up. To, this is the third time I've ever preached in my life, right? Two times in Bible school, and now I'm in front of a church. I was like, okay, here I go. And I preached everything I knew in 15 minutes. I went from Genesis to Revelation, taught on faith, and I was done in 15 minutes. And I turned to my interpreter and I said, okay, well, I think that's all I've got today. And he said, you're kidding. I said, no. And he said, well, can you at least pray for the people or something? You know, our people aren't ready to go home after 15 minutes. So that was my first step. And, and again, I'm telling you this to let you know, you don't have to be perfect for God to use you. You just have to have a heart. I think when I went to Estonia, I wasn't a, I w wouldn't call myself a minister by any means. I was just somebody who had a heart for God. I, I, I got a hold of this verse, and I said, God, can you use me too? I want you to get a hold of something tonight so that you could be somebody that God can also use. That God could, could you, if God would use somebody like me, I know God can use somebody like you. If God could use somebody like Paul, who he, he called himself the worst of all the believers, right? He said, I can't believe God uses me. It's a, it's a miracle that he does. But he was faithful to do what he knew to do. I think that's what God is looking for. God is looking for somebody who will be faithful to do what God has asked them to do. You know, success in the kingdom of God is so multifaceted, right? Success to one isn't gonna be success to another. Success to me is to live in Estonia. Success to you is to live here in Southern Cal at this time. It doesn't look the same. It, you can't measure it. But if you're doing what it is that God called you to do, and if I'm doing what it is that God called me to do, we're a success. And so this is, this is what I love about the kingdom of God, is it's not about numbers. It's not about, about finances. It's not about about the impact you make on a city or a nation. It's about faithfulness. Are you doing what God called you to do? Are you serving in the church that you attend? Are you giving to the church that you go to? And, you know, Jesus, I think that he is always wanting to push us. He's wanting to, to push us just like he pushed himself. You look at the life of Jesus. Jesus didn't just coast. He didn't coast through his ministry. He made ministry look easy because he understood what pastor was preaching this morning. He understood authority. He made ministry look easy. A blind man would come and he would say, what can I do for you? And I want to see. And he's, your faith. And, and boom, the man is seeing. He made ministry look easy where a demon-possessed person would come up and, you know, he didn't set up the candles and say, okay, we need to have the worship team play now. We need to have a, no, he just said, come out. Be free. And people were free. 
And so he, we, we look at some of those things and we think, oh, ministry was just easy. Jesus just kind of flowed and did his thing. But really, if you look at the life of Jesus, he pushed himself and he pushed his followers. It wasn't easy to follow Jesus. He was on them all the time. Here these guys are listening to the word and they're feeding on, on the word and, and they're watching the word in operation as he goes into these cities and the whole city will come out to hear what Jesus is saying. And Jesus will look at him and say, you guys of little faith, what's your problem? How long do I need to be? I mean, he was pushing them. And so Jesus pushed himself. Jesus pushed his followers. And I believe Jesus is wanting to push you. He's wanting to push you to be better than what you have been. And you might say, well, yeah, well, I've been given. That's great. And you might say, well, I've been serving. Thank God. I've told people about Jesus. I hope you have. But that's not enough. And Jesus is pushing you to be better, to give more, to serve more. What you have done is not enough. You need to tell more people about this God that we serve. Tell more people about what Jesus Christ has done for you and what he has done for them. I think sometimes the greatest thing that we can do is share a testimony. Just talk about the goodness of God in your life. You know, I've talked to some people in Estonia and I've, I've told them that. Just go tell people what God has done for you. And I've had people tell me, I don't know if God's done anything for me. I, I, I don't have a testimony. Let me just say this. If that's you tonight, if you're at a place that you don't know if you've ever seen God move in your life, start looking. Start being thankful for everything that you have. Start being thankful for the good things in your life. Start being thankful that you were able to be here tonight. Start being thankful that you're safe to make it home tonight. Start looking for the hand of God in your life and you will find the hand of God in your life. It doesn't always have to be that, that miraculous thing where you wake up and you just found some money in a drawer and it was enough to pay off your mortgage. Those stories, that's not, that's not what the Bible promises us, but the Bible promises us that step by step by step that God is going to be with us through life, and as we keep our eyes on him, he's going to see us through. And so every time we come through, I'm giving glory to Jesus. Amen? Every time I come through a difficult time, every time I come through that, that pressure that was on, that is no longer on, I'm thanking my Jesus because he's taken that from me. And so now I have some testimonies. I can say, yeah, I went through the pressure that you're facing, but I know if you look to Jesus, he'll see you through. I've had the trouble in my body, and now I know that if you look to Jesus, he'll see you through too, just like he did me. We all should have things that we are able to share to make people want to be who we are. And we can look around the room, and we can look at, at different ones who have, you know, God working in their lives. We can see that they're growing in their knowledge and their understanding of the word, that they're, they're growing in their the ability to live for God. And that should encourage us. And instead of trying to compete with one another, just know success isn't a benchmark that you just have to read. Success is going to look different to each and every one of us. But... We can use the miracles and the, the things that God has done in others' lives to make us say, me too, God. 
me too. We read the Bible. The Bible should make you say, me too. We look what God does in other people's lives. It should make you say, God, me too. I want that too. I need that too. And Lord, if you will help them financially, me too. And Lord, if you'll help help that person to be able to stand and speak for you, then, then me too. And if you'll heal their body, then God, me too. I want it too. And I think as a church that we should start our own Me Too movement. <laughs> You're right? <laughs> God, me too. I want you too. I want to see you like he saw you. I want to know you like he knows you. We need to find people in our life that will make us say, me too. Me too. And if you could use Peter, God, I know you could use me, right? That guy was a little bit on the crazy side, a little bit on the edge, but he was like, yeah. Peter was a me too. He looked at Jesus and said, all right, if you say I can do it, then me too. And he began to change people's lives. Paul changed people's lives. You look at Paul's life, it wasn't a life like any of us would probably pick for ourselves if we were to sit down and look at a list of things and say, okay, this is the life I want. Paul would be at the last of every one of our lists, I guarantee. All the things that he went through, you know, shipwrecks, almost drowning, cast out of cities, thrown into prison for nothing, running around with no clothes on because they're just beating him. And, and, and I mean, these, we wouldn't look at that life and say, man, God, me too. Me too, God, I want people to throw rocks at me too. Nobody's going to say that. But you look at the results of his life and you say, God, me too. Me too. I want you to use me like you used him. And I love how Paul went through seasons of his life. He went through seasons of his life with a confidence, with a smile, with a love, with a joy, with a peace. And then he wrote about it. It wasn't just this martyr syndrome type of a mentality where everywhere I go, I'm going to be thrown into prison. No, he was like, my joy knows no bounds. Where's he writing these things from? He's writing these things from holes in the ground, prisons, starving. He said, I know what it's like to starve and I know what it's like to have plenty and it doesn't matter where I'm at. I'm content in my life. I love that. And so I say, me too. Not that I want to be in prison and starving, but if I were, God, me too. We all want to have the plenty. We all want to have the house on the hill. But if we don't, we need to be content right where we're at. We need to be content doing what it is that God set before us to do because we're a success in this. I want to be a success for God in that. And so, God, I want those results too. You know, and Paul, he was a guy that, that went through some tough times. Uh, one, one story was um, in Acts chapter 28. You know, Paul, he was going to Rome. It's towards the end of his life, towards the end of his ministry. He's going to die in Rome. 
on the way to Rome. He's on this boat and finds himself in a storm. And like he always did, he spent time with the Lord. He began to pray and say, Lord, what's, what's the plan here? What's going on? This isn't kind of going like I planned. <laughs> Any of you ever had that ever come out of your mouth? Well, God, this isn't quite going like I planned. It's not going like I, I thought. It's, it's, this isn't happening like, like I, I had wished that it would happen. And so he's praying and he's like, Lord, what's going to go on here? What, what are we doing? You know, do I need to, to get ready to die? Am I going to come see you or, or are we going to crash? What, what's going to go on? And, and the Bible says that the angel showed up and said, man, you're all going to be all right. You're going to make it to the shore. And he was like, all right, cool. He went out and told the guys, don't worry. We're going to make it. We're all going to be fine. My Jesus said we're going to be fine. They, they end up crashing. Their boat splinters into a thousand pieces. They all float up on the shore. And I want to pick up this story here in Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28, I'm going to read verses 7 through verse 9. I'll read this out of the New Living Translation just because I think it makes it a little bit more clear. And it says, So near the shore where we landed was an estate that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. And he welcomed us and he treated us kindly for three days. How many of you know that going through the shipwreck probably wasn't something that Paul signed up for on this, this journey. He wasn't saying, let's get, a, let's get a, I, I want to find the boat that's going to crash. No, he was, he was probably expecting to end up in Rome, but they crash. And then they end up floating ashore right at the chief official's beach. How many know that's probably not a coincidence? Right? How, many, how many can see as you look back, as we read the story, we can see the hand of God. We can see the plan of God. God is going to catch this island on fire before Rome is going to be, be hearing about Jesus. God had him stop off here and have revival on an island. And what might have looked like a trial or a test wasn't necessarily the trial or the test that he thought it was going to be. He just happens to land at the chief official's beach. The chief official's happy to see him, treats him nice. Look what happens, verse 8. As it happened, Publius's father was ill with a fever and dysentery, and so Paul went and prayed for him and laid hands on him and healed him. And so this guy, his father gets healed. Awesome. So now he's going to really be kind, right? He's going to treat these guys well. And then in verse 9, and all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. Who else does that sound like? That sounds like Jesus, right? Jesus would go into the city and somebody would get healed. And then it said, and they brought all the sick and they were all healed. God's just looking for somebody who will say, wherever I am, God, me too. Wherever I end up, Lord, use me right there. If I end up in Pastor Mike's church tonight, Lord, use me right here. But if I'm not here and I go somewhere else, Lord, use me there. And when you go to work, your prayer should be, Lord, use me here today. If you go to school, your prayer should be, Lord, can you use me today? I'm ready if you need me. I'll be the one to talk to the one that nobody is talking to. I'll be the one to cheer up the person who is oppressed. Lord, use me too. 
Use me too. Can I be the one that you would use today? That's how Paul lived his life. Paul ends up in a shipwreck. He goes to an island. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're almost drowned and the whole, whole lot of them land on this island. They're all getting saved. They're all receiving Jesus. They're all having revival. They were there for three months and the island is changed in a three-month period of time because one man was faithful to say, I just want to preach about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's all I live for. After three months, they get their stuff together. They go to Rome, and Paul gets there. And what's he doing? He's fighting for his life. He's standing before the, the people who are about to take his life in the trial of his life. And the Bible lets us on, on a little hint that, that he's preaching the gospel there too. And when he's writing back to, I think it was the Philippians, I should have looked it up, but I think it was the Philippians. He's writing back and he says, yeah, it was Philippians. He writes back and he says, and all those who are in the, all the, the, the believers in the house of Caesar, they send their greetings to you. He was letting the, the church at Philippi know there's Christians here too in Rome. I've got them saved. I'm still preaching Jesus. I'm, I'm still, I'm content like I've never been. Thank you for your help, Philippian church. And by the way, there's believers here too. And we know that through Rome, all Europe was changed. And through Europe, the world's being changed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because one man, one man said, wherever I go, my life is worth nothing to me. If only I could lay down my life to teach Jesus Christ to everybody that I meet, to tell them what Christ Jesus is doing for them. One man who we look at now, and we say, Paul, you were such a success. When Paul gets to heaven, can you imagine the fruit that's going to be accounted to his account? You and I, I mean, we're preaching Paul's messages still today. An amazing man, accomplished great things. But in the day he lived in, very few people would have looked at him and said, that guy is a success. Because everywhere he went, he ended up in prison. Everywhere, every time he did something great, sooner or later, things are going to turn around and he's going to end up in another hard spot. And he's like, man, it doesn't even bother me anymore. It does, that, that's kind of stuff. Whatever the devil's trying to do, it doesn't even get to me anymore. Because I know that my God is with me. When he went into Corinth, he said, man, it wasn't comfortable, but my God showed up. When he would go to Ephesus, he knew that God was going to be there. Wherever he went, whatever he did, his faith was in Jesus Christ. And if this message is what I believe that it is, then I'm going to be okay and lives are going to be changed. And I think that should be the heart of the church. That should be your heart. That you would look at somebody like this and you would say, God, man, me too. Can you use me too? Would you, would you use me like that? If I, if I were going through a trial of my life, 
or my life was even in danger, would I be able to stand up and declare by faith the goodness of our Savior and the power of our God, even when I don't see the outcome yet? A lot of times I think we look at, look at people in the Bible, we look at the disciples and we think, why were they afraid? You know, Jesus was on the boat. Why were they in fear? Jesus was there. Why, do you, why would we say that? Because we know the outcome of the story, right? We already know the end of the story that Jesus is going to stand up and calm the storm. But then we look at our own lives and we get all panicky and worry. We lose sleep over nothing because we don't think that Jesus is going to help. We believe he's there, right? How many believe that Jesus is with you? I believe Jesus is with us. His presence is, is on us. His spirit is wherever we go. He sees and knows all things. He's interceding for us at the right hand of the... He knows what's going on. And then we lose sleep because we can't pay a light bill. Or we lose sleep because our boss looked at us funny, right? We lose sleep because our, our friend just, just turned their back on us. And now what am I going to do? And I, right? And so we, we, we make fun of some disciples that their lives are in danger. But then we lose our faith over silly stuff sometimes. Because we don't truly believe that he's with me. Paul went through some hard times, but his faith was, my God is with me here. And he crashes and he ends up doing great miracles because he believed, my God is with me here. And a snake comes up and bites him and he shakes it off because he believed, my God is with me here. And nothing could get to that man. And I want us to become the men and women that God would be able to look at and say, I can use you, and 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 sickness and disease cannot stand up to the name of Jesus. The power that we have, the power of the kingdom, the message about who we are as the body of Christ is the greatest message on the planet. It works in every life that would open up their, their, their ears to hear. And that's our challenge, church. The challenge is that we would be bold to declare our healer. That we would be bold to declare our savior. That we would be bold to declare our protector. That we would be bold to declare the one who gives us peace and joy. Whatever situation that you see that somebody is in, you need to know that there is an answer in the Bible and you've got to find the answer to be able to get them through by your words because you're quoting these words. The message of the Bible, the message of the gospel, the message of the kingdom should be in our mouths, should be in our hearts, and we should stop worrying about the silly stuff and we should begin to focus upon greater things, upon the, the, the kingdom work. And Paul was a success because of the heart that he had. And I look at that, and I say, God, me too. I want that kind of a heart. I want a heart that could go through the, the most difficult times and come out the other side a success. And all of us, I think, we need those kind of people in our lives where we look at them and we say, me too. 
Lord, me too. You've blessed them, me too. You've used them, Lord, me too. You've healed them, Lord, me too. We all need that. But this is what I want to challenge you tonight. Is that you would become the Christian. You would become the believer. That would cause others to say, me too. God, if you could use her, me too. If you could speak through him, Lord, me too. If you could do that for that family, Lord, me too. That people would begin to look at you as the examples of your faith. That you would begin to be bolder about sharing your faith and sharing your miracles and sharing your victories. Because I think a lot of times as Christians, we don't want to brag, we don't want to get boastful, and so we just kind of keep things to ourselves. which that's not Paul. That's not the other examples we see. But we, well, you know, the Lord is good to me, but I'll just keep it to myself. I've gone through that. You know, living in another nation, I try to be very guarded sometimes about what I say and, and how much I let people know that God is doing in my life. Because I've had this, well, I don't want to sound like I'm coming off to be too bigger than I am. You know, you know, those are the lies of the enemy to try to get you to keep your mouths quiet. I'm getting bolder and bolder to share what God is doing in, for me in my life. I'm getting bolder and bolder. You know, I, 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 I used to go through some things personally in my body and I didn't want anybody to know, right? I, I, I tried to keep it all quiet because I don't want to, you know, anybody to get worried or get upset. And then God heals me and comes through and I get through the other side and everything's awesome. And then I don't have anybody to tell except for my wife. How many know God wants to start using those stories that you have to cause others to say, well, God, if you'll do it for them, would you do it for me too? If you'll heal them, God, me too. And so we've got to push past just looking at others and push past just, just trying to feed our own Faith to become the men and women that can say, God, use me to feed somebody else's faith. Use me to encourage somebody else in their walk with you. Use me to be your hands and to be your feet and to be your mouth. And let me lay my hands on the sick like Paul and have them recover. Lord, me too. That should be this church. You guys know the word. You hear the word like no other church that I know. We should be rising up in our communities. You should be going out and doing what you do with a bubble around you that makes you stand out and makes everybody say, what do you know that I don't know? What do you have that I don't? How can we be going through the same thing and you come to work with a smile on your face and I only slept about an hour and a half? What is the difference between who are you My faith is in Jesus. Amen? Amen. That, that's your testimony. And they'll say, what are you talking about? Let me have an hour of your time and I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Let me tell you what he's done for me. Let me tell you what he promised to us. Be somebody that causes somebody else to say, me too. And that's what I came, just, I believe I heard from the Lord to share that with you tonight, is be somebody to cause somebody else to say, me too. Amen. We're out of time. Would you stand? Hallelujah.
And I believe that my God is a healer. I believe that my Jesus Christ stretched his arms and took a beating on his back and took nails in his hands and a spear in his side so that you and I can be healed and whole, spirit, soul, and body. And wherever you might be hurting tonight, if it's a, a mental thing, if it's a spiritual thing, if it's a physical thing, I believe the healer is here to meet with you and to touch you because I know my God is almighty. I know the power of the gospel pierces through and changes lives. I've seen it and I believe it with all my heart. I'm so thankful for what we get to see God do on a daily basis. Now, if you're here tonight and you came and maybe you were hoping that somebody would pray for you, you were hoping that maybe somebody would, would lay hands on you and that you might get, get, get that touch from heaven. Listen, I, I'm, I'm, I believe with you that that could happen, but I want you to know this belongs to you. It's not just some lucky thing that you might get. And let's run to this meeting to maybe get a piece. This belongs to you. Healing is yours. It's who we are. We're part of this family that it is ours. It's been paid for and it's been given. Amen. We are the healed of the Lord. And this belongs to you tonight. And if there's somebody who would be here and you want prayer, I don't want to make a big, long thing of this, but I just want to ask you if you'll be bold to come to the front right now. Can I have somebody on the keys or do we not do that? Cool. Thank you. Just, just I, I want to be able to pray for you tonight, and I am not going to pray long because Jesus never prayed long, right? Jesus never did those five-minute, no, he just, be healed, be healed, be healed. I love it. And this is what I'm believing tonight, that if you came here tonight looking to, to get a touch in your body and to receive that healing power once again, refreshed and